Culture and Psychology with Tabana. Very warm hello to our Radio Bomb.Dot listeners. Uh, this is Dr. Malika Afzali speaking. I'm sitting with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade, two of my colleagues from Tavana organization. Tavana is a nonprofit organization, especially uh, focusing on culture and psychology. We believe culture is a big part of each person, and that's why we always Uh, make sure that we know the background of our patients and we always appreciate cultures. We are a very diverse organization. Uh, Dr. Rockers has background in different um, cultures and Dr. Andrade obviously uh, has a very open-minded um, for different cultures and he comes from different backgrounds as well as I do. So today we decided to talk about group therapy because in group therapy we have diverse Um, clients that they come to the groups and based on the topic of the group therapy we each have different experiences that today we like to talk about I start with myself when I was uh, actually during the time I was doing my practicum uh, I had experience with many different groups one of the groups was anger management and the other group was sex offenders um, and I um, actually had some very positive um, regard towards the outcome of the therapy and then there were some groups that uh, it was very difficult to manage because of just maybe one single person in the group that made it difficult. So today we were just thinking maybe we can just bring that uh, into our conversation. One of the things that I want to start with is uh, in some cultures, people get together and start talking about things that they have uh, issues with. And that by itself is a natural group therapy, you know, for like example, the family, like the family has to talk about it kind of thing. It, is that what you think? Well, like family or even friends or based on the issue, like in some cultures, the women get together then and they start, you know, maybe it starts with a complaint about their children, their spouses, their, you know, family members, and they just keep talking about it. And somebody else says, you know, I have this issue. And the other person says, oh, you know, maybe the wise one in the group starts, you know, giving some advice. So the natural group therapy happens in some cultures. I always feel like in Persian culture, the friends or women, when they get together, they start talking about, you know, uh, personal issues that they have in a good way, not in a complaining way. They, they talk about, for example, I have this issue with my coworkers and then everybody give advice, everybody says something. And then when you leave, you feel lighter. You feel like you share this out of your chest. You hurt some people helping you with how to deal with that. And of course, it's not an expert opinion, but at least, you know, you share something and you hurt people, um, you hear different opinions and then you made the decision for yourself. But in professional manner, um, we each have experiences in our uh, profession. And I think along those lines, people, 
you know, the average person might hear group therapy and immediately be dissuaded by that. But like to, to what you're saying, thinking of it as, you know, how a, a group of people maybe have helped you in the past or how uh, it's the idea of almost being able to get something from, from uh, an array of people. I think uh, even just kind of systematically thinking, you know, uh, as far as the different types of groups, um, there's uh, just to, to give some clarity and some background, um, there's like psychoeducation groups, um, which tend to be focused on a certain um, kind of kind of giving information. So a psychoeducation group about mood disorders. So the group will focus on depression, anxiety. And so it, 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 a lot of times those groups are, are led by somebody and, and they're kind of giving information, almost like a teaching kind of group in that way. And, and people might chime in and share some of their experiences and then um, kind of, you know, build on the topic in that way. Um, but then there are like the more traditional kind of what people think of as um, group therapy, these process groups. Um, and, and those can kind of vary um, as far as kind of the topic and the nature of that. Some of them are, are guided. Some of them are very open. Um, and so, yeah, they can definitely be those different types of groups. And so I think it's just going back to the idea um, you know, thinking of, you know, a, a group as, as an opportunity versus it a, a bad thing. I think sometimes people feel like put off, they're going for therapy and they're told to go to a group and they automatically think, oh, well, I can't get the help from, you know, one individual that I wanted to get help from, but instead maybe being like, oh, this could be a, a different way to get some of that help and that support. I think sometimes people don't like to be they need to be, it's something that we talked about yesterday, Saide, you mentioned it, or maybe it was you, Alex, people need to feel seen and heard. It's an important piece. And I think often people need to be seen and heard by a group and they need to be seen and heard by other individuals. And sometimes when we go to the doctor and might feel need to be seen and heard in individual reject. I know that I don't, I can't remember it if we said that Kaiser does a lot of those. I know Kaiser starts a lot of those groups and that's how they get a lot of people into therapy right away. And Kaiser does, I mean, there are many, we could talk about a lot of complaints about Kaiser, but Kaiser, the things that they do well, they do very well. And I think the groups that they do, they do very well too. I know a lot of people care for it, but I do believe, I firmly and strongly believe that group therapy is a very powerful technique. It is something, we can get something out of group therapy that we cannot get from it. It's a very, very powerful. There's something about that social atmosphere and being connected to a group and supported by a group and celebrated by a group even. That's part of the function of a family or a work, those sorts. And we can't get all of what we need from individuals and we can't get all of what, but I, groups serve a very important function. Dan, can you be more specific on when you said you get more from the group? Can you explain just one of the examples of the group therapy that you um, led? If you could just talk about that um, and give specific examples of what you gain when you said you get a lot from, you gain a lot from therapy. We get like, do you need numbers and dates and things like that? No, not, not as specific as that. But I mean, when you say people gain a lot about that, what is it? Is it based on the topic of like the group? For example, let's say I actually ran anger management group and I had a wonderful co, um, you know, uh, 
psychologist who was working with me and we both were working together. He was actually a therapist and we worked together for anger management for a year with different groups. And we were meeting the groups uh, once a week on Saturday mornings. And it was so interesting the way we were running the group because we both were coming from uh, more, um, you know, the spiritual part of human being and bringing that part more into our conversation. And it happened that we both were coming from the same, um, you know, mindset uh, thinking, bringing that part of our human being into their place. And we were talking about that. And it was the group was running so nicely, smoothly, and people were getting it. The most important part was we had different group members from all ages, from all different backgrounds. It was a very diverse group. But I guess, um, it was, uh, we created a, an atmosphere of uh, calmness, of, you know, bringing people uh, to their awareness of their own self. And then if they talked about what happened, that they got to a fight and they had their uh, share of jail or whatever they had to go through legally. But at that point, they were there because they had to go to a group therapy for 12 sessions, let's say, or some people for more sessions. And then we were working with those groups. And it was really interesting that, um, you know, even people that at first they acted like they don't have any self-awareness, but the result was uh, always very positive at the end um, because most people were getting it, what we were coming from at that point, you know. Right, which I think speaks to, there are a number of things about groups that are very helpful. And it sounds like you're talking about some of that magical energy that can develop as a result of group functioning very cohesively. And that is a thing that is, I don't think we have good instruments to measure that. But it's a very important part and it's a very helpful part when we get that. So that's one very important thing. And, and if we pay attention, we can begin to detect that. We can notice that in individual when we connect with another individual. We talk about a chemistry develop. That's, there's a similar chemistry that develops in a group. And it is an extremely powerful element for people to change. So I think that's... That may be some of what you're talking about. My experience in group was I ran chronic pain groups for many years. And what one element in that that was very helpful is the social interaction between people having difficulties. They can see how others handle those difficulties. We can always see how somebody is functioning less well from their difficulties and we can see how somebody's handling it more or better than so we can learn and in a group we can learn from both sides we can look at those people who are handling it very well and be inspired and we can look at the people who don't handle it very well and say oh my gosh this is how that works in there there's a social element that is so critical in group therapy when we enter a group we whether we want to or whether we don't want to we will recreate our own family dynamic. This will show up and it will show up 
pretty quickly. So in a group, Alex, you mentioned a process group, we can begin to work through some of those issues that we developed when we were growing up. And the key here is everybody's got some issues. So everybody's got, we'll inadvertently create those family dynamic issues. And that's the, that's a challenging thing. But the great thing about good group therapy is that also is the container in which we can work through and resolve this family. So that's, I think, that's my experience in group therapy and working with groups. Is that what you were asking, Saide? Absolutely. No. Uh, yeah, because it's hard to really measure, uh, you know, the actual effect that um, we have in group therapy. But basically, that's the, uh, you know, meat of what we really want from a group therapy. And you mentioned that. Uh, we are at our break. So we come back and uh, continue our conversation about group therapy. We're back with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade, and today our conversation is about group therapy. Uh, Dr. Andrade mentioned that Dr. Rockers is uh, a great uh, lead uh, for the group therapy and has great experiences. And I can imagine with the way he asks questions, he puts the uh, individuals in the group into, you know, getting back to themselves and thinking. Um, and and I, I can imagine how wonderfully he can run the group. So um, today we are conversing about that. And I'm sure each of us to some extent, extent even our listeners have been in maybe, um, you know, psychological group therapy in different issues that they had, or maybe in their own experiences, the family group, the conversations that we have. And um, I think it was just in 1940s that um, Carl Rogers and his colleagues, uh, they started really creating some groups. Um, and, and I like to know your background on um you know, how this group therapy even started in psychological field and who was the pioneer. In my mind, I was just thinking of Carl Rogers and um, Kurt Lewin um, that they started this, but is this, um, and then how Dr. Um, Yellum came to the group therapy because he was actually a guru in group therapy, because I remember when I was uh, studying uh, psychology, I remember Yellum was the big name in group therapy. But, um, and I also remember in 1940s was uh, the establishment of groups in psychology. I'll say too, I, I've been fortunate enough to be, a, to, to, to 
be a part of a group that Daniel was leading. And so um, early in my career, he let me shadow him and to be able to, to see one him work uh, as well as the dynamic of the groups evolve. And I think uh, I'm going to, I'm going to speak your praise here for a minute, Daniel. I, I think it takes a, a, an excellent group leader to really help people navigate through some of those very difficult and challenging things. And especially in the groups that you were leading at the time, you know, chronic pain, it, it's, it's such a challenging thing for individuals to uh, make sense of and to, to cope with and to move through as far as what their life is going to look like. And so um, there was a lot of, <clears throat> I, I don't know if, it, I mean, it looked like you were working, but you made it look easy at the same time. I mean, there's a lot of tact, a lot of effort in, in helping people kind of uh, find their own journey through what they'd experienced. And so um, it's something I think prior to that, I, I vaguely kind of knew about group therapy, but um, it really showed me that the, the group dynamic as well as the interdisciplinary uh, treatment approach is, is really valuable and really important. Um, and yeah, it's just to be able to, to see how, you know, Daniel was able to connect with individuals while still being within a group. I think that's the, the, the misnomer or the, or the, the disbelief that if you're in a group, that there isn't that connection that happens either with the group leader or with other individuals. It, it, it what I've seen um, in those groups, as well as other groups that I've gone on to, to lead myself is there's a kind of a broader connection. There's connection with the, the individuals who are other individuals who are going through very similar things as well as even with the group leader. And so I think that can, is part of the, the healing nature of that process. So like, how, do, how do you start the norms, uh, Daniel? I mean, you seem to have a more expertise into group therapy. How do you establish norms? Do you establish norms through the members of the group or do you have your norms based on the topic of the uh, conversation? When you say norms, are you talking about those stages of Creative. Right, right, right. And those stages, remind me again of what those stages, do you remember offhand? Well, as far as I remember, the norms were at the beginning, first of all, you know the knowledge of each individual who are the ones that are in the group. So you have some backgrounds. That's the first thing you kind of screen the members of the group to know who is coming to your group. That's the first thing. And then the second is you make sure that the individuals in the group, somehow they match with the uh, topic that you, I mean, not topic, but uh, you know, if you have two individuals that are totally, when you screen, they're, um, you know, do you feel like they're not a good fit for the group? Do you um, put them aside and say maybe for another group? Or how do you do you get everyone that comes to screening? I know there's a process in getting people together. And then when you finally get them into the group, the first is going through like, you know, we listen to each other, you go through the norms of how each person handles the group and all that the timing or one person doesn't take over the whole time of the group and all those norms that normally in every meeting we go through them, you know, well, you I think there are a lot of ways to think about it. You can think about Yalom evoked a couple of those stages like forming storming that sort of a yeah and when the group forms, I, this really, it comes down to basic communication. And when we start off, we want to set up a structure or a frame 
for what we're going to do in the group. If it's a general process group, you could pretty, pretty much take anybody unless they are a disruptor or even if they are a disruptor, anybody. Because the whole point of a group is that it is a recreation of being, you know, being in the world with other And we have all these different kinds of relationships. And when we're out in the world or we're at the workplace or we're in the family, we're going to have all different kinds of people interacting with us. Some people are going to come at us sideways and some people are going to come at us like, where are you coming from? So I think the initial piece is you structure it. So if you have just a process group, you want to process, you could take, you could set up your own norms and determine what those are. Generally, when most groups start, the challenge is getting the going. So it's easy to let a people out. So I think this, you can set the norms that way. If it's a focus group where it's specific problems, then like with the chronic pain, we would have to see, is everybody sharing the same problem? But even with that, there were certain kinds of pain, chronic pain conditions which did not work well in the group. And part of that is what we talked about earlier, where people have to be seen and heard, and they have to feel that they are an individual. Even in a group, we still have to feel we're an individual. There are certain types of pain that people feel like, you don't understand me. With back pain, most people who have back pain, especially ones who have been injured on the job, they have a very strong sense that other people think they are faking it. And, you know, I have to admit it, when I was in my 20s, I thought the same thing. I remember I was working in Dallas, Texas at a data processing company, and this pretty big guy, pretty muscular, pretty strong guy, says, oh, no, I can't lift that. I've got back problems. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what? That doesn't look right. I didn't really. And thank God I didn't say anything. But this is one of the few times I had some wisdom in my 20s. I didn't say anything. When I started working in the chronic pain field, I realized, wow, that's one of those problems that's invisible to most other people. And so a lot of people with chronic back pain feel like other people think I'm faking it. When I go to the doctor's office, they think I'm faking it. That happens a lot. So in that respect, function of a group would be confirmation that, yeah, we get it. It's other people who really get it. So I'm just thinking as you're describing the topic that you were working like chronic pain, it can be so different than let's say anger management. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like those people that have pain, um, they come to, you know, talk about their issues and talk about um, how to deal probably with that. But when I think of anger management, you're dealing with a group of people who had a background in doing something really um, bad so that they were at a point that they had to, they were forced to take this anger management group. They didn't want to be in the group. It was against their will. And they were even angry to be in the group. You know what I mean? So I'm just thinking managing this group can be more difficult than managing another group members who are coming for something that they're looking for getting some help, you know, so it's, it's just, or like sex offenders. I was working with sex offenders for a year and we had different groups coming and sometimes the group was large um, and they had um, gone through their jail and um, 
depending on their, um, you know, issues, um, the timing of the jail was different. But at the end of their jail time, they were forced, they, they had to be in the group. So we had to report whether they were attending or not attending. So they were forced to come to the group. And of course, they really wanted to get over with this timing that they had to spend and the, the, to cover, let's say, 24 sessions. Um, still was, you know, they, they wanted to uh, cooperate and get through their time. But it wasn't like, I want to be here and I want to work on my issues. You know what I mean? If you... I, I don't work with groups anymore where somebody has to. I realize that my own disposition does not work. sets up a dynamic. I'm not good at work. Alex, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say both of you guys' experience remind me of uh, working with individuals with grief in that way. I've done a, a little bit of grief work in groups, and it's that idea that nobody knows what I'm going through, like you were mentioning, Daniel, and then also, too, that I, I don't want to be here uh, in the sense that I want relief from from this hurt and this sadness, but but yeah, again, I don't I don't want this to be true. I don't want this to to even be happening in that way. Um, and so I find with grief that can be um, a really powerful uh, uh, group dynamic for individuals too to see that other people can be struggling with uh, accepting and re- recognizing the impact of their their loss and even the idea of what it means to move forward. And so um, grief is one of those topics that I'm really passionate about. Um, a lot of people don't like to talk about death. Uh, I like to. Um, I think it's something we all got to deal with uh, one way or another. Um, and so definitely to, to have that support in talking about and making sense of something that is very hard to make sense of, and especially in a group dynamic, I find can be very, very important, very powerful in that way. And I think uh, leading a group is is just like um, any other leadership. It's so important how you, you know, go through each individual's issues by, you know, obviously you never, you know, put them in a position to share, but if they say something that is out of the norm or whatever, you have to be able to manage it each individual and the group as a whole so i think leading a group it's really really important so for our listeners if they're thinking of going to a group whatever they have in their mind they have to do a little research of who is running the group and whether they have some background of of the person or the group or the organization but in general Um, group therapy is more than just support. I think um, the group members are valuable source of support, each of each individual. So, um, you know, there are benefits beyond informal self-help and um, group support each other. So if, um, you know, someone really needs um, more support, besides just the individual help they're getting from their therapist, I would say there is so much benefit into going to the group because you learn from each other. You actually start being more self-aware by just attending the group and what you hear from the other members. We are getting to our break. Um, We have a short break and um, we come back to continue our conversation about the group therapy. 
We're back with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade, and our today's conversation is about group therapy. So far, we have talked about general ideas of the group therapy and the importance of who runs the group and then also the benefits you get from the group therapy. And um, I want to um, ask any of you, Dr. Rockers or Dr. Andrade, um, what is the difference between open uh, groups or closed groups? I, I, I mean, I personally understand the difference because open group uh, is whenever, like the sex offenders group I was working with, anytime another person could come to the group and whatever we have covered so far, um, you know, didn't matter. We started working with the new person as well. And usually the new person when walks in, uh, just the, um, you know, effect of the group just gets to them. They're quiet, they're listening. Do they want to find out what's going on? The lead, um, the person who leads the group usually brings that person very quickly to whatever they have been talking about. But the closed session is when the group starts with a certain number of people, let's say for 12 sessions, and then they don't accept any new one to the group. I personally think when the group is closed group, uh, works better because you start with the group, you have gone through your norms, and then you just have that group all the way through the 12 weeks. But when the group is open, like the ones I have experience with was the anger management and sex offender group, it, they were open groups. And at any point, someone would walk in and it was hard to go back and explain, let's say we've gone through, let's say three sessions, five sessions, a new person would walk in um, and then they had to go through their 12 sessions. So I personally feel like the closed session would have more benefit for the group members. And it's easier on the person who's leading the group. I think the ones you were doing, Dan, were uh, open. Is that correct? It was a modification of, it was a fusion of both. Because uh, okay. The way it would work was we'd have cohorts that would start. So somebody, several people would start one week and it was a four week program, but we'd have some people starting on week one and some starting on starting week three. So they would overlap in a way. And we had to have each week, we would go through a certain number of things so that anybody coming in at any given Monday cover all those topics. I think if it's a strictly process group, it's pretty hard to have group modified. Although you could do it, you just have to structure it in the right way, right? Remind people that this is how things work. This is how jobs will start at different times. And how do you interact? What do you do? What fears come up for you? What are your anxieties? How are you feeling right now about this? A lot of check-in of that sort. So I think those can those can work, but boy, they have to be facilitated really well. And I think it does take. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's important for the group members uh, to, you know, to ask the question, how much do I share? Because they have to feel safe that they really want to get benefit from the group. It's not like I'm here, I'm um, careful with what I share, but I just want to know what people in the group, my experience was at first people were hesitant to share, but when they start feeling safe and they know that their sharing is to their benefit, they begin sharing, but at first they were very hesitant. They, they have to feel that safety is in place 
that they can share. There isn't always that, and that is so right. That feeling of safety is instinct. It comes from very, very, very deep inside of us. And it, it reflects back to the animal. I grew up on a dairy farm in Kansas. We raised chickens. And what would happen in the chicken house when we're, you're raising the chickens, if there is a small chick or a chicken that gets injured, those other chickens will eventually kill that shall gather around so that feeling of safety in a group it's real and it's important you may not be pecked to death or you might be pecked to death in a symbolic way i've got a great example of that and it's not just individual people in the group it can be the leader of the group pecked i covered a couple groups for one of my colleagues this is probably been 12 years ago and after that group i told him i would never have a group because his group, when I went in to help that night, they turned on me, started hanging up and asking questions or not nice about it. And it was such an experience. I told him, I said, it, it doesn't matter how many I... It's like substitute teaching, I guess. <laughs> probably, yeah, exactly right. So you've probably got a lot of experience with that. You probably saw that happen all the time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, substitute teaching is the same as now you're describing. You know, when you're a substitute teacher, you go and people, as especially students, knowing that you're just there for a day or a couple of days, they start ganging up against you. And I always felt bad about uh, substitute teachers that they would come for a couple of days. Therefore, it's upon the person uh, like the teacher, how you handle this. Like, for example, I was telling the students before I knew when I'm going to be absent and a substitute teacher is coming, I would say, I give you extra points if I hear from substitute teacher that you behaved. And if any of you, I see that your name you're going to deal with me. You know what I mean? It was just like ahead of time getting the students ready not to gang up against the substitute teacher. But I can imagine if you don't prepare the students, it's going to be a big issue. I can remember when I was in high school, we had a substitute for our book class. And I don't know why they were gone, but he was gone for like, and I remember talking with some friends at that point they were older for in the evening and yeah i said it's so it's so boring that's i'm not getting anything from it he said they said well did you tell her that i said that that might be helpful so the next day like in dummy i did say that to her and not received well i do not recommend it as an approach it's very poor the only, the good thing i can be have be grateful about this is that i learned from it Probably that's why I got chewed up in the group therapy because it was karma coming back to haunt me. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have tortured teacher in that way. Absolutely. So you got your lesson that way. Yeah. So well, I'm, I, yeah, go ahead. You know, it's got, fun. We, go ahead, Daniel. Go ahead. No, I just said, yeah, I got my lesson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. I was going to say, we, we got our own group dynamic in, uh, the, amongst the three of us, too, that, uh, you yeah, know, maybe uh, uh, we can get into at some point. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it takes two people to have a group, right? So, I mean, uh, uh, group dynamics, as you're saying, Daniel, they, they play out whether we, we realize it or not. Yeah, it would be wonderful if three of us would run a group. That would be interesting. I like to see this happening. That would be mm-hmm. nice. Maybe we can, seriously, maybe we can think of mm-hmm. that. Um, 
you know, well, you guys, you guys have tried to see me run a group of uh, teenagers uh, with Tamina. So, <laughs> and I say <laughs> oh, that only because, yeah, true. yeah because true. yeah, teenagers will, yeah, we they observing. will run the group. You think you're running the group, they're running the group. So yeah, <laughs> you, you, absolutely. You did a great job. And uh, Dan and I were observing you as we yeah. watched you doing that. That was great. So I know Dr. Rockers, you have to leave early. So why don't we uh, end our program? Um, um, and we come back uh, in a, with a short break, and then we each say our final statements, and then Dr. Rockers can get to the next meeting that he has. So let's just have a short break and come back. We're back with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade, and uh, we talked about group therapy, and we went through the process, we went through the dynamic of the groups, we each talked about the experiences of the group, and now we are at the end of our program, and we each are going to say our final statements. I will jump in and go first, based on my recent my story, my recent story of what happened to me in high school, what I would say is you don't have to confront in order to make your needs known. You can simply inquire in a kind way and be grateful for what you're doing. In other words, don't do what I did. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I, my uh, recommendation to, to listeners would be uh, be open. I think it's easy to to hear a recommendation and say, no, I don't want to do that, um, especially if it's new or it's unfamiliar um, or uncomfortable. Um, I, I think we can learn from all types of different experiences. So if you're you're reaching out and you're needing help um, and that's a recommendation, you know, try it. You can always, you know, try it a handful of times, see what it can give you, what it can help you with. Um, and then kind of go from there. And I want to say, uh, you know, because I've gone through group therapy myself as a member, and I've run a couple of group therapies for a, a, as long as a year. Um, I want to say that um, just as Dr. Andrade mentioned, uh, you know, you have to feel comfortable, try it. But before you do that, um, just always remember that in group therapy, 
Um, you can be a good listener. You don't have to share, but you have to absorb. And whenever you feel comfortable, you can share. But in general, just make sure you're ready for it. Um, because I remember when I went to group therapy myself as a member, I wasn't ready for it. And I just felt like, wow, they're talking about things that it's just so, um, you know, not really what I want to hear or not where I come from. So it wasn't really helpful for me. That's why the first session I went, I didn't attend the rest of it. So just give it time. Maybe I just made decisions too quickly. Um, so give it time. Or even when you want to start going to a group therapy, think really ahead and see if you're ready for it. With that, I want to again thank my colleagues, Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade for another session at Radio Bomb Dot. And with that, I want to um, wish you a wonderful week ahead of you. And I know uh, this week, the coming week is Good Friday and also is Sizebedar in uh, Persian culture, which is the 13th day of Noro celebration. So everybody is uh, outing and having a picnic. And I want to wish everyone a very safe Sizebedar or a good, um, you know, wonderful Good Friday. بزار تنها باشم تنها بمیرم دیگه از درد و غم آروم بگیرم برم پیدا کنم یه جای خلبت بشینم عشق بریزم تا قیامت برم پیدا کنم جای خلوت بشینم عشق بریزم تا قیامت برو ایدن بخواب که وقت خوابه سلام تو همیشه بی جوابه به تو بی دست و پا از من اگه عاشق بشی خونت خرابه چرا ای دل تو اینقدر سر بزیری به دامه چرا گل میخوری با یک اشاره سهر شد تا هنوز چشمات بیداره چرا گل میخوری با یک اشاره سهر شد تا هنوز چشمات بیداره برای دل بخواب که وقت خوابه 
Oh, oh, oh. 